If you couldn't think of anything, I encourage you to continue meditating on that question. I'm sure something will come to mind as you think back over your life that something you're thankful for, um, perhaps it's something in the past or maybe it's something this week or even today. You know, Thanksgiving, as long as I can remember, you know, we gather together and many of you have come and you've maybe you're staying with family or you've come to see family or you're going to see family. And you're going to gather and you're going to have a large meal or go out to dinner somewhere and have a nice meal together and just enjoy one another. And you're reminded just because of the season that it's Thanksgiving, so a question may come up, you know, what are you thankful for? Maybe you ask that question to your children. But as I was thinking about Thanksgiving, I was curious, you know, why do we celebrate Thanksgiving? And immediately my mind went to Pilgrims and Native Americans and corn and fish and things like that. And, you know, farming and growing vegetables and all those things. And that's what we, many of us think about. But as I was looking at Thanksgiving, I noticed a number of different countries actually celebrate Thanksgiving. And what I found was that the reason they would celebrate Thanksgiving is to celebrate the harvest coming in. You know, we're, we're so far removed from an agrarian society that we don't keep up necessarily with the uh, agricultural calendar. We just go to the grocery store and get our food. And you can just about get any type of food any time of the year. And so we're kind of removed from that. But it turns out that many countries celebrate Thanksgiving because of the agricultural calendar. The harvest comes in. They gather friends and family together. They have a big meal and celebrate with one another. And they're just thankful that they're able to have all this food and they share it and enjoy one another. So this concept of being thankful is really a universal concept, I believe. Even though I haven't interviewed people from the entire globe, I would imagine the idea of having a thankful heart at some point in their life is probably true of just about anybody. But when you turn your focus to Christianity, uh, it becomes a little nuanced, a little, a little different than just celebrating a specific event. It becomes different than just being thankful for something. It really becomes more of a lifestyle. It becomes, I am thankful, that's just who I am. I am a thankful person. It's a state of being, really. It's a posture towards God. And so as we turn our focus from kind of the general idea of Thanksgiving and the, the feast that we'll, we'll all celebrate here this week with family and friends or at a restaurant, maybe it's going to be cooking all day long, whatever it may be, I want to turn our focus from that to what Christianity says about Thanksgiving. And to do that, I'm going to go to a letter that Paul wrote Paul was an earlier leader, early leader in the Christian church, and he would go to these different cities, tell people about who God is, how they can come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He would help set up churches, much like this one, establish leadership, and then he would correspond with these churches through letters. And one of the letters we're going to look at is called 1 Thessalonians. So we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. There's also some Bibles in the pew there. You can find uh, 1 Thessalonians in there as well. It's in the New Testament. And we're going to be in chapter 5. And as you find that, I'm just going to give you a 
general, the general context of 1 Thessalonians. Paul is writing these Christians in Thessalonica. And he's addressing some of the concerns they have. Actually, this church is doing very well. Very little division. But they do have a couple questions. One question is, what happens to those people that die that, that were Christians? You know, what happens to them if they die before Jesus comes back? And they're a little concerned about that. And they're also concerned about how some people are carrying themselves while they're waiting on Jesus to come back. There was some laziness, you know, thinking that, well, if Jesus is going to come back any day now, why should I go to work? You know, I'll just hang around here and that kind of thing. And so Paul's saying, well, let's get some proper perspective on this subject and let me write this letter to you. And so he does that. And so he goes through the chapters in 1 Thessalonians and he deals with those issues. And then he gets to the final chapter in 1 Thessalonians 5. And it's as if he's answering this question. He's, he's already built a defense that, okay, if you are alive and you are a Christian, or if you died with faith in Christ, either way, when Christ comes back, you will be saved. You will be brought into the kingdom of God. So don't worry about that. If you have faith, everything's going to be okay. And then he, had, he answers this question, okay, well, I know once I die, because I have faith in Christ, I will be with God forever. Well, how should I live my life now while I'm waiting for that to happen? And so he gets to the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and he gives the church a list of exhortations, you know, encouragements. Say, hey, do this, don't do this, this is how you should carry yourself. And there are many exhortations there, but I want to focus on just one. And it's in verse 18. So if you look at chapter 5, verse 18, here's what it says. Actually, I'm going to back up to verse 16 just to give you the full sentence. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So as we look at this short passage, I want to answer, or at least try to answer, three questions. The first question is... Why should we be thankful? Second question is, who should we thank? And the third one is, how do I live my life thankfully? You know, how do I live my life giving thanks to God in everything? How is that even possible? And so that's what we're going to try to do as we walk through uh, this verse. Let's look at the first one. Why should we be a thankful people? Well, like I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons we have Thanksgiving is because we celebrate the harvest. We're thankful for food. And who's not thankful for food, right? And dessert, even. <laughs> We're all thankful for that. But Paul's saying you should be thankful in everything. And so the idea is, why, why should we be thankful in everything? Because things don't always go our way. Things aren't always good. So why should I be thankful in everything? He actually gives us the answer a few verses before, back in verse 9 in chapter 5. So back up just a little bit. Let me read this to you. It says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, 
we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. So Paul's saying the basis of living a thankful life is what God has done for you. You know, you realize that you're not perfect and God is and there's a problem in the world. We live in a broken world and we're broken people. So how do we become whole again and live the life that God would have for us? Well, Paul, not only in Thessalonians, but in a number of other letters, he says the way that you experience wholeness of life in relation to God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for our sin so that we can be brought near to God. And so he says that is the basis of thanksgiving. I mean, if you are reconciled to God, if you are brought near to God, if you're, if you're okay with God, then you can be thankful in anything and everything. This is Paul's argument. But not only did God bring you near to Him and bring you into a relationship with Him if you have faith in Christ, but He also, it says in Romans 8, Paul says this. Now, just this is a common verse. Many of you have heard this before. Some of you, this may be the first time you hear this, you've heard this verse. But I want to read it to you and just think about it in the context of thanksgiving. Paul says, God works all things together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. He works all things, all means all, all things together for the good of his people. So not only does God bring us into a relationship with himself through Christ. He says in your life now. I'm working all things for the good of my people. And we're going to talk about the issue of how does that work out in life. In my practical day to day life. As we answer that last question. But the scripture says that God's working all things for the good. So we should be thankful that he's at work. You know, he's, he's with us. He's working. He's in control. Third thing he does is he completes what he starts, which is a great uh, affirmation for us, right? Great encouragement. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I always am going back to this verse to remind myself of this. He says, For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so the idea is this. God has brought you into a relationship with Himself. He's working all things for your good. And He's going to complete what He started in you, which is making you more like Him. And so why should we get, give thanks? Why should we be thankful? Because what God has done for us. I mean, He's brought us to Himself in Christ, if you have faith in Christ. He's working things together for your good. God's in control. He's sovereign. And He's going to complete what He starts. That's a great promise. And that should prompt us to give thanks. The second question I want to answer, which I've pretty much, I think, already answered really, but I want to try to answer it a little bit more, is who should we thank? You know, when we teach our children manners when they're young, or at least attempt to, we, uh, we tell them, when someone gives you something, say, thank you, right? We want them to have a thankful heart. We want them to, to not have the sense of entitlement. 
that you deserve all these things, but you should have a thankful heart. You should appreciate what you have, right? That's what we're trying to teach our children. Maybe that's what your parents tried to teach you. We want to have a thankful heart. Why? Because we realize all these good things are gifts. I don't have a sense of entitlement. These things were given to me. Maybe not... uh, I guess what we're trying to say is, you know, when you receive good gifts, yes, you may receive them through different avenues. Maybe your parents, maybe your employer, maybe society, maybe a doctor. Those are secondary causes The way Paul sees it is that God is the primary cause. He's the one who gives good gifts. He is the good one. And so everything good derives from Him. And so who should get the thanks? Well, we should thank the person who gives. You know, God is worthy of worship because of who He is alone. But He deserves our thanks because of what He's given us. Primarily His Son. He's brought us near to Him Himself. So who should we thank? We should thank, we should thank God. Now let me read to you just a few verses here in 1 Thessalonians that highlights this. Back in chapter 1, in verse 2, here's what Paul writes. He says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Later in 1 Thessalonians 2, 11-13, here's what he says. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Here it is. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as what it really is, the Word of God, which is at work in you believers. And then later in 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 6-9, through this is what he says. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live. If you are standing fast in the Lord. Now listen to this. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. You see that? As Paul reflects on these Christians, he's not thanking them. Even though they're doing a lot of work and a lot of good things and they're relating to one another well, they're they're keeping the faith, they're worshiping God. He says, I look at you, I see all what you're doing, and I thank God for you. Because he sees that God is the primary source for all things good. Someone gives you something good, you don't thank some random person walking down the street. (laughs) You thank the person that gave you the good gift. And so Paul's saying, we thank God for you all. You're doing a lot of good things, but we know the one who is primarily good 
is God Himself. And James says in chapter 1 of his letter, all good gifts come from God. Every, every good thing, anything you say that this is good, when you have this concept of good, that concept is a derivative of the nature of God. So you call something good. You know, what do you mean by good? Well, you, you must root it into something purely good, and that is God Himself. So we thank Him for all things. So even as you celebrate the harvest, so to speak, or celebrate you know, when the pilgrims and the Native Americans came together and they learned how to grow a corn-like vegetable and they had a big feast, they gave thanks. Well, who did they thank? Who should they thank? They could thank the Native Americans for teaching them how to fertilize with fish, etc., etc. But the primary cause of good things is God. He deserves the thanks. He's the primary cause. So, the last question, and this may be what you're thinking already, is, you know, Ron, I, I hear that. I believe in God. I believe He's good. I believe all good gifts come from Him. Uh, I can see that it's, it's pretty easy and even natural to be thankful when I receive something good. But what about when you receive something bad? That's the question I have. It's not hard for me to imagine being thankful for getting something good, right? But what happens when other things start coming into your life? You know, if you're a Christian, does this this mean that, you know, give thanks in all circumstances? Does that mean, regardless of what happens to you, regardless of what evil comes your way, you just kind of plaster this plastic smile on your face and just run around acting like nothing's wrong? I mean, is that Christianity? Or does it mean that, you know, you just don't worry about the injustice or oppression that's happening or even happening to you? You just have this kind of come what may attitude. You say, hey, you know, we can't do anything about it. You just kind of absorb it, you know, go skipping down the road because we're supposed to give thanks in all things. I mean, is that really what we're talking about here? I don't think so. And this is why. I'm just going to give you one quick example. My mind goes back to Jesus when he's on the way to Jerusalem. And more specifically, when he's on the way to the cross. And I picture him in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he goes before the Father in prayer. And he asks God the Father, Could this cup pass from me? And it says that his sweat was like drops of blood. He was under great pressure. And then he says, you know, not my will, but your will be done. And as we know, Christ goes to the cross willingly on our behalf. Now, when he's put on that cross, do you think he's smiling? I have a hard time seeing him smiling, being nailed to that cross. I see him in agony. I see him suffering. But, like the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So I don't think, I don't think Paul's saying here, as a Christian, that no matter what comes your way, you just pretend like everything's fine. Everything's not fine. The world's broken. Bad things happen. Bad things happen to you. Bad things happen to me. We suffer. We break down. 
Things are not always pleasant. However, just like Christ, there is a joy that is set before the Christian that anchors us into such a foundation that we can live our lives with a posture of thankfulness. Now there are many threads that Paul uses here to weave this fabric of what it looks like to live the Christian life. But this one thread that he's pulled out here is the one of thankfulness. And he says, because you're in Christ, this thread runs all throughout your life, whether it's good, whether it's tough, There is this thread of thankfulness that should characterize you as a Christian. Why? Because you have been given what you most need. And that is, you've been given a relationship with God through Christ. You've been given forgiveness. You've been brought near. Yes, you're going to deal with trials, suffering, evil. But in the end, we know that God's working all things together for our good. That He completes what He starts. That He is the good one in which all good things come from. Therefore, we always have a hope about us. You see that? Everything is moving towards this this great hope where God will right all these wrongs. And so Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So how do you know if you're a person who is thankful to God? How do you know if that's true of you? Probably the easiest way to find out is when those bombs of life come falling down on you. Right? When those bombs of life come falling down and crashing around you, just ask yourself, where do you run for shelter? Where do you go? For the Christian, when those things happen, we run to Christ. He is our shelter. And we know that, yes, this is hard. This is difficult. I don't know how this is going to be for my good or for the good of the church. But when I reflect on what Christ has done for me, I think, surely He's able to make something good from this. And surely He's able to complete what He started. Now, in closing, before we do our responsive reading, I just want to close with this. And this is true of my life, and perhaps this will be true for you as well. The more I understand what God has done for me in Christ, the more I understand how He has exhibited this love and extended this grace to me, the more that sinks in, the more that thread begins to be woven through my life. That thread of thankfulness. The more I reflect on, and what I'm talking about here is the gospel. What God has done for me in Christ. What God has done for you in Christ. When I reflect on that, and the more I understand that, and it sinks in, the stronger my posture is towards God in thanksgiving. And so I want to encourage you tonight is, as we move into this season, as we celebrate family and friends and jobs and health uh, and uh, children and, and, and all these different things that we receive, grace upon grace, 
That we would not lose sight of the primary giver. That when we give thanks for the food and the family, that we realize that ultimately all good gifts come from God. And as Christians, we can live with a posture of thanksgiving, regardless of circumstance.